Welcome. Welcome to Christmas Eve. Thank you for uh, braving the... Uh, so it's been a bit of a challenge getting in a holiday mood with the uh, temperatures dropping as much as they have. I have um, attempted to rally myself watching a lot of holiday movies this year. And uh, uh, the holiday movies are sort of my thing. Lisa starts playing Christmas music right after Thanksgiving. That's sort of her thing. Um, and uh, we drive each other crazy a little bit with it. But uh, I, I like holiday movies, uh, but I'll be the first to admit that there are an awful lot of them that are real stinkers. Uh, you know, this time of year, it's like, well, we've put out a Christmas movie, and we'd be fairly certain it's going to make money, even if it doesn't have a script or any interesting characters. Uh, we just sort of slap it all together. And so I end up a lot of times going back to the classics, you know, Miracle on 34th Street or those, uh, uh, all those sort of great films. Uh, uh, a Bishop's Wife is actually one of my favorites. If you haven't seen that, you might want to check that out. But I always end up coming back eventually to A Christmas Carol, uh, the Dickens classic. And there's a ton of different versions of it, uh, lots of different movies, lots of theater shows. And, uh, of course, for uh, most of my childhood, every sitcom ever written had a um, Christmas Carol episode where ghosts came and visited the main characters. Um, so it's a very familiar story, one of the most filmed stories ever written. And I find myself every year watching a, a, at least a couple of different versions of it and looking for the perfect version of what I consider to be kind of a perfect Christmas story. And that might surprise you a little bit because it's not a story so much about Christmas. You know, if you want a story that's literally about Christmas, watch The Nativity. That's really good. Uh, they did a really nice job with that, beautifully filmed. But it is a story about the celebration of Christmas. And so why would I be drawn to that? Why why, why? Because it is, like the Christmas story, basically a tale of redemption. As a kid watching um, A Christmas Carol, one of the things that always confuses me is the, like that end part where the really creepy ghost of Christmas future is leading uh, Ebenezer Scrooge around and he takes him and points him to his own grave. And I always kind of, I found that confusing. Why is Scrooge so impacted by the prediction of his own death? And of course, there's, you know, the whole argument about the fragility of life. We never know how long we have and, and all those kinds of things. Um, but this is an old man, at least in, in every version I've ever seen. Uh, Scrooge is getting up there. And his partner has been dead for years. And to make matters worse, he doesn't have a very healthy lifestyle. He's like living on broth. He refuses to heat his workplace or his home. Uh, this is not a person who should expect to, to live a terribly long time. But he's so traumatized by the idea that he's going to die. And I guess the most obvious reason is a recognition of the judgment that he will face. He's just viewed these scenes from his life and recognizes that he's been kind of a nasty character and 
and maybe doesn't want to face uh, the retribution for that in, in the afterlife. But I had to get quite a bit older before I realized that his greatest fear was actually that he would never have lived before he died. That he would have no time, no opportunity to restore justice, to, to create joy, to seek redemption in his life. And I think that's important because the Christmas story that we celebrate tonight is about the coming of life and light. The common sort of shorthand explanation for Christmas is that God cares about our death. That God sends His Son into the world uh, as an infant, knowing that the, the ultimate purpose of that is so that He can give Himself as a sacrifice. And so we sing, even at Christmas time, born that man no more may die. A baby born for sacrifice, a, a tender brow prepared for thorn. We recognize Jesus as a Savior, God come into the world to die for our sins, to save us from sin and death. And that's all true, but that's really more of a, an Easter story or a Passover story, isn't it? But Christmas is a story about God coming to live and to live with us. And I think the wonder of Christmas is that God actually cares about our life, not just about our death. So much He cares about it that He actually steps into it. He actually shares the journey with us. And He does it in a way that's not, not grand or ostentatious. He does it in a way that's quite humble and quite common. This is the royal birth that takes place in a barn attended by shepherds. And we've been considering as a church some of the reasons that Jesus gave for his ministry, for his mission, for his life on this earth. One of those I think we have to consider on this Christmas Eve uh, comes from John 10. He says, I have come that they may have life and that abundantly. Later on in, in Revelation 21, he's going to tell us maybe a little bit about how he's going to accomplish that. He says, Behold, I make all things new. See, the arrival of this Messiah King rather inauspiciously into the world is the beginning of a reign that will last forever and a reign that will make everything new. So here's the remarkable story of Christmas. God stepped into the world to renew it and give it back to us. Every element of his story is all about this renewal. Every event, every teaching, every step, every strategy, every sacrifice. It's about making us new and making the world new. It's about dealing with the brokenness, the injustice, the sin, the loss, and yes, problem of death. The arrival of Jesus is the beginning of an invitation to us to enter into life. And it's such an important distinction. Jesus never invites us to escape death. He invites us to enter into life. See, if we escape death, that is a future event that we've somehow bypassed. 
if we're entering into life, that is a present event. And it acknowledges that before Jesus, we're not fully alive. He invites us to enter in to his life. It's so simple, and yet it's incomprehensible, this moment that is Christmas. And the appropriate response to that is awe. The characters who populate this Christmas story, this nativity story, are the ones who can see it. Who see that God has sent a king. No matter how humble the circumstances, this is a king. A king who will make all things new, including you and me. And anyone who takes the time to notice this moment will revere it. And so we adore Jesus. Not only at this time of year, but always. We adore Him in song. We adore Him in service. We adore Him in affection and dedication, just like we are practicing here this evening. We adore Jesus first and foremost because He's worthy of it. He's the God who steps into flesh. He's the light that steps into darkness. And so if we are wise, we will follow the example of wise men. And we will greet God's extraordinary gift to us with the very best gifts that we can bring to Him. But also we adore Jesus because it reconnects us to our place in the story. And how easily we forget, right? When times are good, or sometimes when times are bad, or maybe when times are just busy, we forget how much we need this God, how much we need redemption, how much we need the freedom He offers, the purpose, the mission, the meaning. And so we worship Jesus to acknowledge that we are not the King and that He is. And we adore Jesus because it focuses us on His renewal. So Christmas is the story of the arrival of a new king. He started a new kingdom among us. He commissioned us to grow that kingdom. And one day, He will make the whole of heaven and earth new, restoring the world to us and us to the world. But right now, right now, that renewal is taking place within us, if we let it. And so we worship Jesus in order to place our hearts at His disposal so that this life can be subject to His redemption.